The message today is entitled, Discovering God's Love in the Church. Discovering God's Love in the Church. I can remember being reared by Christian parents in a church. Went to church nine months before I was born and been there ever since. But I can remember when I got old enough that I began to learn some scriptures because of the faithful teaching of volunteers that taught children the Word of God. And I believe that I'm right when I tell you that the first scripture I ever learned was three words, God is love. God is love. He doesn't show us love. He is love. And that little verse of scripture has never lost its power in my life. I remember that song, Yes, Jesus Loves Me. Jesus loves me, this I know, because the what? Bible tells me so. And those simple words with such profound meaning can carry us a long way through life. When we understand that God is love, he lives in the life of his believers. But today I want to move it into another arena of which most of you that have been believers for a long time are aware of. And that is discovering God's love in the church. The word church for some means an architecturally designed building that's on the corner of walk and don't walk or whatever. And there people go to church. And certainly there is a definition of the word church in that way. But for a lot of people that have gone to the church on the corner have no idea what a church is. No idea. They will look at the architecture. They will look for the cross, the steeple. Some, someone has said we've got a lot of high steeple, few people churches around. And today, as people drive by going everywhere but to worship, they pass the steeple and say, there's the church. But there is much more meaning to the word church than probably any of us will ever know in this life. And today, I want us to go a little bit down that road, and I will be thinking with you as to the relevance of what I'm going to say about the church. So let me take you to the scripture, to the fifth chapter of John, verse 39. Jesus is speaking, okay? If you have the red letter edition of scripture, you see these are the words of Jesus. Here's what he says. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me, and you will not come to me that you might have life. I receive not honor from men, but I know you, now listen, but I know you that you have not the love of God in you. Boy, those are strong words. That's talking to people that go to the buildings, to the meetings. Did you hear it? I know you, Jesus says, and you have not the love of God in you. Now look at the 15th chapter. I want to read to you from verse 9. 
As the Father has loved me, this is Jesus speaking, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue you in my love. You see, these simple words are pointing out what a church is. Jesus came and gave himself for the church. Jesus came and the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all together set up what would be known until the Lord comes back again to rapture his church. That's what he says. I'm coming back for my church. Not the buildings. Our nicest building on earth will be trash in heaven where the streets are gold and the gates are pearl and the walls are jasper. He's not talking about that. He's talking about the people that are members of the church that have no clue what they're members of. Many today will be in churches and have no earthly or spiritual idea of why they're even here or what's going on. It's Sunday morning. It's a time when people go to church. But that's not what the Scripture wants us to learn. What the Scripture wants us to learn is we are the church. We are the body of Christ. As he is, so we're to be in this life. And so when we study today one of these passages that are disturbing to all of us because everyone, whether you don't know the Bible or you do know the Bible, knows something is dramatically wrong with the church. It's lost its power. It has lost its effectiveness. It has lost its purpose in many, many, many arenas. But yet we still use the word church. What kind of church do you go to? That kind of thought. Is it a Methodist, a Baptist, a Catholic, or whatever? But the purpose of the church, are you ready? Is to be the institution and organization and family through which God will flow his love. He will flow his wealth through the church, and he will flow his love through the church. He will flow through the church something that no secular charity can come close to doing. Regardless of their budget, regardless of their reputation, regardless of their impact on the culture, they don't compare to the church if the church is what God wants the church to be. We are the bride of Christ. And God's great commandment was that we are to love others as God loves us. So simple. Why can't we get it? Why is it that church people in many places in no way represent God? There are thousands of people, thousands of people in Houston, Texas that will never go to a church meeting like this because they know too many people that do go that they cannot stand. They see them as hypocrites. They see them as angry, mean, stingy, hateful, bitter, critical, argumentative, just name it. And yet they say, 
But I go to church. I go to church. So let's talk about it. I know I'm going to be meddling a little bit today. But God has equipped his bride, the church, to be able to love in the way he loves. We got the resources. We just need the volunteers. God's got the power. He's just looking for somebody to flow it through. God's got the money. He's just looking for people to flow it through. God has got the love, but he's looking for people to flow it through. People that will come out from among them, as the scripture says, and be ye separate. Be unique. Be one of a kind. Be living proof of a loving God to a watching world, which is our mission statement at Sagemont. That's what we're here for. And my heart's desire is that I will live long enough to see the church begin to return to its roots. And we'll come back to being what God wanted the church to be instead of what the people decided it would be. And there's a big difference, folks. There is a huge, huge difference. I will submit to you today in most churches in America, they are the result of what the people wanted. Whether they've been here five years or 50 years, they either followed the Lord or they followed the people. And there's chaos. There's ineffectiveness. There's lack of power. There's lack of impact in the community. They, people look at us and laugh because we are so inconsistent once we walk out the doors of the church. The ingredient missing is very simple. I bet you already know what it is. It's spelled L-O-V-E, love. People looked at the first century church and said, behold how they love one another. Have you ever read the minutes of the churches in Houston from their business meetings and see if that flows through most of them? And it's interesting, the smaller the church, the more business meetings they have. I mean, they get together and vote on everything under the sun. That's very clearly what God tells you to do. Right here, this is our personnel manual. This right here is our instruction manual. This is... It. This is it. And God looks at us and says, okay, church, my people, which are called by my name, humble yourselves and pray. Turn from your wicked ways. Seek my face, and I'll bless you. I will bless you. But the point is, do you want to be blessed? You know, when you love people, you don't give them what they want. You give them what they need. You love your baby? Oh, yeah. You give them what they want? Gosh, I hope not. I hope not. If so, if they're young, God help you when they're teenagers. But what do you do? You give them what they need. Sometimes we need to be corrected. Sometimes we need to get back on track. Sometimes we need to be disciplined. Sometimes we need to be forgiven. Sometimes we need to be loved in a very powerful way. And all of that goes together to make a godly family. But we are considered in the scripture as a church, as a family. We sing a song, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. And that family of God reaches far beyond 11323, Hughes Road, as it used to be, and now the Beltway. That's not, this is not Sagemont. Sagemont today 
if we're what God wants us to be, is having an impact around the world. Even the little thing like the signal that's going out right now is going to every part of the world. Now, people can tune in or they're not turning in, but at least it's out there. At least you made it possible to get it out there. Your tithes and your offerings and the technology and the wonderful sound crew and, and media team that we have at Sagemont enables us to take the miracles here on earth and impact the world with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus loved us, the Bible says, and he gave himself for us. And then he said to us, love one another as I have loved you love each other that means that we could all do more forgiving we could do more encouragement instead of criticism if we did what the Lord wanted us to do you know when love is evident in a church you know what that's a sign of God is there that's it we have nothing to brag about only if love is here, God is here because God is love, right? Gets right back to first scripture. And so when we see that and you walk into a group of people and you either feel love or you don't feel love. If you wear orange and go sit on the Texas A&M side of the football field, you don't really feel it, the love that you would like to receive and vice versa. But whenever you come to church, you ought to be able to say, like the Scripture says, behold how they love one another at that church. Can you believe the way that they reach out to each other? Can you believe that they go to see all of their members that are in the hospital every single day they're there if they want them to come? Volunteers? Can you believe what they did at Harvey when hit Houston? 170,000 meals, 650 houses that, that you prepared to be rebuilt. And on and on that goes. What does the community newspaper say? Behold how they love one another. That's what it's all about, folks. It's not about the stage. It's not about the organization. It's about the love. It's the love of God that constrains us and holds us. And when you've experienced that love, you'll never settle for anything else. You'll never settle for anything else. And there are few topics more needed in the church today in North America than teaching people how to experience and express the love of Jesus to a watching world. We haven't perfected it. We're a long way from perfecting it. I think we're headed in the right direction. I, I think Sagemont's headed in the right direction. And I think that we're moving in the way God wants us to be, but we haven't arrived yet. We all can improve. But can I give you a fact that if you don't know this fact, it'll shock you? The fact is that many people living in America that profess to be Christians question the vitality of there being any need for churches. Now, that's a fact. You know some of them. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to be a part of that church. I mean, I know some people go that. You know all their excuses. 
But here's what they're saying. I don't think we need the church. My dear friend, if we don't have the church, we lose it all. Because this is where God is by his promised word. So if we can understand that, that God is looking for a people whose heart is perfect towards him, that didn't say for perfect people. It says the heart is perfect towards him, that I know I need Jesus. I know that I need to treat you the way Jesus wants me to treat you. And if I do it my way, it's not going to be good. But if I do it his way, it's going to be the right way. There's a lot of people who wouldn't know a church if they saw it. They've never been to one. They've been to entertainment centers. They've been to program places. I mean, they've been to concerts and every kind of thing, but they've never been down and see what a church really does when you're down. I married a couple this week. Had a picture made after the wedding on Friday night. I told them when you get back off your honeymoon, I said, do you have a will? Mm-mm. I said, do you have a power of attorney? Mm-mm. I said, do you have a physician's directive if one of y'all get hurt now that you're one? Mm-mm. I said, when you get back off your honeymoon, would you come and call me? And we'd like to give you those three documents, which are worth about $1,500. And he didn't light up near as much as she did. <laughs> but she had enough sense to know they needed a will that wasn't written by the state of Texas, the one that they wrote. That's the church, folks. Well, I don't think that's very spiritual. I think y'all leave that up to the lawyers. No, no, thank God for Christian lawyers that can help us do this. But it's all right for the church to get involved in helping people with a word of look and a touch. It's okay to feed hungry people. It's okay to comfort the, the, the dying. It's okay to visit the sick. It's okay to love the children. It's okay to have a great student ministry. All of that is okay and is much more effective when it's surrounded by what's called a church that is filled with people that have been born again and Satan has been replaced with Jesus in their life and now they can be living proof of a loving God. We sing a song, let others see Jesus in you. Let others see Jesus in us. Any Bible-believing Bible-teaching, Bible-preaching church will witness on a regular basis. Are you ready? People coming to Jesus for salvation. I'm going to repeat what I just said to you. Any Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, Bible-preaching church will witness on a regular basis people coming to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior like the man that was baptized a while ago. And I'm here to tell you that in Texas, half of the Baptist churches in Texas did not baptize one person last year. Not one. And the average baptism was eight. Eight per church. Hundreds of thousands of people and nobody coming to Jesus. It doesn't matter how many is coming to your church. It's how many are coming to the cross and an empty tomb and preparing themselves for a soon-coming Savior. Where are they? Where are they? So I want to share something with you real quick. It's a personal thank you, Lord. And it's a praise Jesus. But having been called as Pastor Sage Mott more than 50 years ago, 
I have always taken the position that it's very serious that whatever we do, that people are coming to know Jesus as their Savior. Since October the 1st of 2017 to January 23rd of 2018, 57 believers have joined Sagemont Church. 57. Already saved, already baptized, born, born again, 57. During the same time, in the same services, 94 have invited Jesus Christ to come into their life for salvation and be baptized. That's unheard of in a church, folks. That is unheard of. Your baptisms, as I told you, they're usually about 10 to 12 percent, not twice as many. And you, people come to Sagemont and they leave. I know. That's all right. If they're saved. I don't mind them coming and leaving if they're saved. But I hope if they come in lost and leave, they come in lost and leave out saved. Because if that happened, we'd have revival in churches all over the country, couldn't we? Just plant a seed here, plant a seed there, and we'd be sending our own missionaries out in Houston. Not even have to pay them a salary. Not have to furnish them anything. Just send them out, send them out, send them out. And said, the Bible said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And Jesus is the master teacher. He's the one. His love for others was based on his love for the Father. He loved the Father. He loved us. And he poured himself into us. So I've got a question for you. Is your love relation with others like God's love relation with you? Let me read it again. Is your love relation with others like unto God's love relation with you? A second question that goes with that question. Do you want God to love you like you love others? Ooh. Yeah, I had, I had to get quiet too when I was in my study. I had to put on, take off my glasses and say, woe is me. There's work to be done, isn't there? We're so easy to criticize, jump on each other. Oh, I hope God's not that way. Oh, my goodness. I don't have a prayer of a chance. I thank God by his stripes I've been healed, aren't you? The blood of Christ is cleansing me from my sin. It's not my righteous living. But I thank God for Calvary. I thank the Lord that he loved me enough to take me just as I was and make me to what he wants to be. And he hadn't finished yet. You know, on the 14th, I turned 77. Somebody says, you're double lucky. I said, no, I'm not. I'm double blessed. I'm double blessed. I thank God for length of days. I thank God that my good memories are better than my bad memories and that I have seen some light. I have heard some stories of a spark here and a spark there. And I've had an opportunity, even today, I heard from one of our security men that a church that we went up to help in Brenham, Texas. You know where that is? Not that far. First Baptist Church. I went up and talked with them and their ch church a couple of years ago because they heard Sagemont got out of debt and owed no man anything. And they had got them a piece of property out in Brenham, quite a few acres out on the highway. And that church put their faith in God and said that they needed, they were going to go God's way. And if they couldn't pay for it, they wouldn't build it. And I just heard this morning, their first building is $3.5 million. 
and they have $3.1 million in the bank, and it hadn't even started. That's God, folks. That's God. I just love it when the bankers' jaws just fall down. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great when the banks start borrowing from the church? <laughs> but they don't have to. Most churches, the people put their money in the bank. Then when God needs some money, they go to the bank, borrow their own money, and pay the bank interest. Now figure that out when you get home. <laughs> but that's the way most churches operate. But you know what? God says, I got a sense of humor. But if you'll get right with me, I'll do exceeding abundantly above anything that you think or ask. Did you know some of you that have the gift of criticism could get rid of that? Those of you that have great insight as to how bad others are, God could change that about you. He could get you to looking in a totally different direction to where you'd go to the mirror when you wanted to fuss at somebody and said, you shame on you for doing that. You shouldn't have said that today. And you have the sorriest attitude that I've ever seen you have. Now, you're talking to yourself, all right? Because where God is, love is. And our relationship with others will mirror our relationship with God. It does, always. The measure, the depth, and strength of our relationship with the Lord is revealed by relationship to other people. Jesus' ministry, if you will read all the New Testament, was love, 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 love. God is love a long time ago. But he is love. He is love. And he wants that love to be in us. In Matthew 9, 36, the scripture says, When he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. You see, the church that doesn't have a shepherd is in trouble. He is the good shepherd. We're to follow him. We're not to follow each other, but we are to follow him. And so to make that clear and simple, Jesus always expects his children to have the heart and passion that he has for people. And that we treat people as Jesus would treat people. That's only, that's it. Just, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? How would he handle this neighbor? How would he handle this person? How would he handle this friend? What would he do? And when we find out what he will do and we do it, good things always happen. Good things always happen. Mother Teresa made a statement one time. I could not find it exactly like she said it, but this is the way that I remember it. She said that she served the hurting people in the same way she would serve and treat Jesus if he was there. Now that's either a direct quote or a paraphrasing of what she said. She said, when I see somebody, I see it as Jesus. I love them as Jesus, as if it were Jesus. And I want to treat them like Jesus would treat people. Jesus often told people what his purpose was. He came to seek and to save those which were lost. He came to minister 
to his kids. He came to provide. He, he made all of that clear. Jesus always clearly stated his purpose. Do you know what your purpose is? Am I talking to anyone here or through the media? And you don't even know why you're here. You have no purpose in life as it reflects the love and the grace and the goodness of God. That's a shame because you can have. There's not something wrong with you. You just haven't looked in the right places. There used to be an old song. I probably was country western. I'm looking for love in all the wrong places. But you know what? So are a lot of people in the church. People that don't feel love, maybe you're not giving enough love away. Why don't you take this week and give as much love away and tell me about next week. The next week. How will that be? I guarantee you it'll be different. I promise you it'll be different. Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save those which are lost. Luke 5.31, and Jesus answered and said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. Now listen, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That's what Jesus came for. He came to call sinners to repentance by his own admission. That's what I want to do. I want sinners to be free. I want those in bondage to be set free. And that's what he came to do. But there's a problem. If you're healthy, if you're wealthy, if you're influential, if you're powerful, if you're self-sufficient, you know what your biggest temptation is? You don't need God. You don't need God. The Bible says not many mighty come. Not successful people don't come to the Lord. Why do I need God? And so they die. Like in all the Old Testament, the Old Testament is full of those stories where people said, I don't need God. I'll shake my finger in God. I mean, my goodness, we've got a nation that's filled with people that will use God's name in vain today on a Sunday by the millions. Oh, that's just my slang. No, it's not. It's your sin. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Lord. And so when we are filled with love, well, let me just give you another example. Paul. Remember Paul? Boy, he was quite a character. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you don't know the Bible real well, it's all right. I'm not fussing at you. But Paul wrote much of the New Testament through the leadership. God wrote it through Paul. His life story started. He was murdering Christians. Okay, he came from that to be the most prolific author of the Bible. All right? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Here's what he says. For the love of Christ constrains us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then all were dead. And that he died for all, and listen to this, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him who died for them and rose again. Now that's salvation. We don't live for anything other than the soon coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the love that he has that is so inexplainable. Ah, surely I'm not the only one here that's had days when I just want to go put my head on the pillow and say, God, there's no way you can love me today. So I'm going to go to sleep. It's four in the afternoon. Wake me up in the morning. I'll start over. <laughs> Maybe I'll have a better day tomorrow. 
But when we can take that position of saying, you know what? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. There's a scripture that's in three of the four Gospels. Let me read it to you. I'm going to read it to you out of Luke 18. It's also in Matthew 19 and Mark chapter 10. It says, For it is easier for a camel to go through the needle's eye than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. It's in all the Gospels. Does that say rich people aren't going to heaven? No. 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 What it's saying is, it's difficult. Because my dear friend, when you've got all your friends and you've got money and you've got good looks and you've got a good marriage and you've got a good business and you've got this and you've got that, you know what your temptation is? Who needs God? If all these toys I got, why do I need to go to church on Sunday? I got to have some time to play with my toys. And that's the attitude that we take. But God comes and says, listen, while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. So when Paul said we need to live for him, that's what he did. The people began to worship him. They began to praise him. They began to serve him. They began to give their tithes and their offerings to him. Their whole life changed. And old things passed away, and all things became new. And what happened? The love of God began to flow through them, and as he is, they became. That's the reason Jesus left and said, it's best for you that I leave the Holy Spirit, because every one of you, if you're going to decide to love people like Jesus loves people, you're going to have to have Jesus in you and the Holy Spirit in you, because you can't do it on your own. We're not made that way. We have to have something come in. There needs to be a recall, okay? We need to replace some defective parts. And the blood of Jesus does that. When he comes in, he takes over. And so shall we be what God wants it to be. It's a sad fact that many of our churches have lost their love for Jesus. It's sad. It's a sad fact that the church has decided to be what people want a church to be rather than what the Lord wants it to be. And you dare not ever forget, the Lord said upon this rock, I will build my church. And the church I will build, the gates of hell will not knock it down. But if it's not built on the solid rock, if it's not because of the blood of Jesus that cleanses from all sins, it will not make it. It may still meet, but it'll cease to be a church. And our goal must be, individually, to let others see Jesus in us. That we be what God wants us to be. The fact is that the love of God changes our hearts. All of us, I don't care where the church is located, are surrounded by people that have never experienced the love of God. You lift up Jesus anywhere in the world, and he'll draw people to him. But it won't be just by stopping by feeding and clothing. That's good. That's important. But the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. And the love of God does not flow through the church until Jesus is Lord. And it's all done for him. 
1 John 4, 19 says we love him because he first loved us. And it's out of love for others we give our time, we give our talents, and we give our substance. We're here today to study the word. We're here to praise the Lord. We're here to share blessings with each other and burdens. We're here to worship him. We're here for a whole lot of different things because of who he is. He approves of those things. He wants your burden to be lifted today. He wants lost people to be saved today. He wants broken relationships to be put back together again. He wants guilt-ridden people to be set free and go their way rejoicing. That's what he wants. And this is the environment to which it can happen. So as we bring our service to a conclusion, the only love that we can share is love that we have received. The love of God has come upon all people that have asked for it. And when it comes, the Bible says we're born again. We die to an old life. We're buried with Christ in baptism unto death, and we're raised to walk in a new life. And that is the key. We're to be selfless, and we're to be sacrificial. When you go home, I want you to read the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. And I want you to circle these words. I'm talking about love. Love is patient, kind, not jealous, not conceited, not irritable, not ill-mannered. does not keep records of wrongs of others. It's not happy with evil. It's happy with the truth. It never gives up, and it never fails. God is love. Would you say that with me? God is love. Would you let him love you today?